I was recently in a conversation with someone. I, I'm in long conversations all the time. Maybe I'd be better be specific, you know, because I probably counts everyone in the room just about. You know, at some point I've had a conversation with James. I was recently in a conversation with someone who didn't know me um, and who, you know, inevitably almost every conversation in our world is driven by, so what do you do? You know, and uh, where do you do it? And how long have you done it? And blah, 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 blah. And the fact that we define each other by what we do, that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, because that's not, really, uh, that's not really how God sees us, but that's how we get into conversations and we think that's what our name is. And, uh, but that's another sermon. Let's not have three sermons today, James, when there's just supposed to be one. So they said to me, uh, oh, so you're a United Methodist pastor. I've known a couple of those which is rare. I don't meet a lot of people who've uh, known some United Methodist clergy. So I said, okay, yeah. And so he said, so uh, how long have you been where you are? And I said, 26 years. I said, no, not how long have you been in ministry? How long have you been where you are? And I said, 26 years. What do you mean 26 years? I've been in ministry for 30 years. I was under, well, I've been in ministry for 32 years, under appointment for 30 years, but I've been in the same place for 26 years now in almost a half years. And he's like, well, that's messed up. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I don't know that it's messed up, but it certainly has worked for at least the 26 years. And I have to say, what's interesting to me as I look out into the congregation, there's only one of you here at this moment. And if Donnie were here, there would be two of you here at this moment, and only two at St. James any longer who were there when I came. 26 years ago. All the rest of you have been gifts for which I am thankful to this body here at St. James. You've come either recently or the longest. Our first gifts after I, besides my wife who came with me to St. James, not completely by choice because she's married to me and it comes with the package, um, but uh, Mark and Joy were two of the first gifts that came to St. James on my first Christmas Eve 11 p.m. service. And since then, you know, there's been a lot of turnover. There's probably been more than 1,000 people who have been at St. James in the 26 years I've been here, just not all at once, because we'd have a tough time fitting you all in this room. But over that time, I've grown to really appreciate and have a great gratitude for God for letting me be in the same place for that period of time and to develop relationships. I've met over those years people who uh, were single, who then began to date, and then I married them, and then I baptized their children um, uh, or blessed their animals at the blessing of the animals, or I have done a variety of those kinds of things over those years. I've walked with people through joyful times and really stinky times, and for that I'm deeply, deeply thankful. I realize that all of this time I've gotten to spend here has been a tremendous gift. What a gift it is. And when you see life as a gift, when you receive everything that comes your way, it shapes the way you approach everybody else. It's not that somebody owes me something. It's I just keep receiving things, and the things that I have are enough for me. 
you know, I can remember 15 years ago, somebody approached me and said, well, James, why don't you want to serve a bigger church? Don't you want to serve, you know, arrive and serve something big? What is big anyway? Big means a variety of things to a variety of people. It means success. Uh, but if you see everything that comes your way in life as a gift, it, you're just happy where you are. You receive joy. If you're waiting to get joy until you get thankful, it, or, or waiting for joy so you can be thankful, you'll probably never be joyful. Nor will you ever be thankful. Because thankful is a res, uh, joyful is a response to thankful. You start by realizing all that you have and that what you have is enough. Do you have food to eat? Do you have clothes to wear? Do you have a place to live? Do you have people of significance in your life that matter to you? If you have those kinds of things, what else do you want? <laughs> what else do you need? And yet, the challenge is you and I hear two competing messages, one from the church, and sometimes you don't even hear that one from the church, and one from society. And the message from society is that it's a zero-sum life that we live. If I'm going to win, you're going to lose. And if you're going to win, I'm going to lose. There's no such thing as win-win. We talk about win-win, but there is no win-win. I have, you know, I have let go of some of my aspirations in life. But one of the things that, uh, you know, I thought this year UVA would beat Tech <laughs> in football. Tech has had a terrible season. UVA's had an exceptional season, I thought, you know. But it's like in the NFL. When you play within your division, it doesn't matter if you've lost every other game. In your division, there's a special rivalry that you rise to and apparently, or drop to. I don't know which one it is, but uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of both, you know. So it's, you know, we lost. And, uh, you know, in overtime, 33 to 30, you know. It's okay. I, it's not, my life does not depend, fortunately, on whether or not my team wins or loses, or else I'd be dead, really dead for a long time, because I think the last time we beat Tech at... It's like 2003, 2006, 2000, 2000, 1875, you know, when first football was first invented, maybe, I don't know. It's been a long time. So uh, the truth is, we can receive life as the gift that it is, the precious gift that it is, and then live from that. Or we can look at everything as a competition that I win and you lose, or you win and I lose. Churches think they're in competition, like there's a limited number of people out there that can go to church. We're not in competition at all. The kingdom's as big as the world is. Can we proclaim good news to whoever shows up? Yes. Can we proclaim good news out in the community we live? Can we bring healing and hope and positivity wherever we are, no matter how many there are of us? Absolutely. Can we bring glory to God wherever we are? Absolutely. Because we live from thankfulness. We're thankful for this building and how cool it looks. But even if it didn't look cool, we'd be thankful for it because it's a roof over our head. And it's warm when it's cold outside. And it's cool when it's warm outside. You know, it's all those things. When it was raining yesterday, there was no water dripping on our heads if you were in this space. I wasn't, but if you were, and if you were, I don't know how you got in, but, you know, uh, if you were... 
and it was uh, dry. If it's not a zero-sum game, then what is it? It's an abundant world we live in. You know, God's love never runs out for you. Never runs out. Never ends. And just because there's one more person in the kingdom doesn't mean God's got to take a little love away from you to give it to somebody else. Because it just keeps growing. Love is a bottomless pit of infinite love. It never gets to the bottom. It's like an ocean. If you throw a rock in, only the thing is, it just keeps sinking and sinking and sinking into the depths of God's love. That keep going. There's always more love to share. There's always more love to share. You know, I never imagined, you know, when I fell in love with Linda, that we would bring, you know, I, well, I assume we'd probably bring somebody into the world, but, you know, and then one person, Hannah, and then another person, Joshua. And I never ran out of love. I love them both differently. There was more love to give. How is that possible? If this is a zero-sum game, I should have run out of love a while ago. I gave it all to Linda. That's it. Ain't no more to go around. But then suddenly, Hannah was born, and there was more of me to give. There was more love to give. And why is it? Because the infinite source of my love is God. You know, as I was looking through the Scripture, thankfulness is something that appears over and over again, and it's an attitude that comes from recognition of the abundance that God wants to pour out on us. And it's not about stuff. The challenge I have with a lot of the gospel that's preached today is that God somehow wants to give you stuff. And that will satisfy you. I want to tell you that no matter how much stuff you get, and I don't care whether you become a trillionaire like my, you know, my good friend, the head of Amazon, you know, uh, you know if, if you become a trillionaire or at least lead a company that's worth a trillion dollars, if you're expecting that trillion dollars to fill that hole that you feel inside your heart, I'm really sorry to tell you, it's not going to. No amount of money I can give you is going to fill it. No speed of car I can give you. No super speed power of, you know, resolution of your television set or computer is going to fill you. Only God can fill that hole. It's love. And it's abundant. And it's around us all the time. And if we could live from that kind of abundance then every encounter with every person everywhere we meet would be filled with possibility and joy. Not what can I get out of this, but what can I give to this? What can I give to this? I was looking at Psalm 107, and I encourage you, if you want to look along with me, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. It's 43 verses long. And I trust that you can read it for yourself. But not once... Not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times in this psalm. It says a phrase something like this. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Because his faithful love lasts forever. Forever. His infinite love, his faithful love lasts forever. And then it goes on to explain all these things that have happened to the people. And they were redeemed. And what was their response? Let them thank the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all the people because God satisfied the one who was parched. You know, let them thank the Lord. We just came out of what is a, essentially a secular holiday, Thanksgiving. 
And it's a really interesting juxtaposition from being thankful for what we have to not thinking we have enough on Friday because we've got to rush out and buy every possible thing. And by the way, in Kentucky, apparently you have to shoot somebody if they get in your way when you're rushing <laughs> to get your stuff. From thankfulness to an, of enough on Thursday to rushing to get more stuff because we don't have enough stuff on Friday. What does that say? <laughs> you wonder about the zero-sum world we live in. That's the zero-sum. Be thankful on Thursday, but by... Uh, and, and by the way, Black Friday doesn't begin on Friday anymore. <laughs> you know, it's not enough to let people have a day to be thankful with their families. we got to make retail workers come in on Thursday <laughs> so that they can accommodate us, the horde that has to have more and more. And more. And guess what? There will never be enough if that's our attitude. Never. God wants us to be shaped by thankfulness. But thankfulness comes from recognizing what we've already received. Not what we still want. Now I realize a consumer-driven economy, a capitalist economy will not thrive if we don't buy stuff. Right after 9-11, one of the first things President Bush told me I needed to do to support the economy was go buy stuff. We're going to give you a tax cut. I want you to go buy stuff so we can keep things going. And I wanted to be a good American. But I also wanted to save that money that they gave me too, so I couldn't figure out which one it was. The truth is there's got to be some way to be thankful without needing more and more and more and more. When my children were small, Linda served the church, Floris. I served St. James. And both of my children, you know, they were first grandchildren on my side. And they were first grandchildren in a wicked long time on Linda's side. And so our tree would sit on this side of the room and the wave of presents for our children came out so you couldn't get to the tree for about 10 feet. For 10 feet. I think Hannah and Josh began to think, this is life. <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to be. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Now we've tried over the years to help them know that stuff is not all there is. But they still, I think, sometimes put way too much faith in stuff. I think our sisters and brothers in California learned that stuff doesn't always last. If a fire comes on your house and burns it up, you're thankful to be alive. To be alive. You know, I watch the aftermath of tornadoes and there are people who lose everything and are thankful. Lose everything. I survived. My wife survived. Our children survived. Yeah, we lost all that stuff. We'll just get some more stuff. Or if we can't afford more stuff, we'll be thankful that we have each other. So the question I need to ask you, I need you to ask you, and I need to ask me is, for what are you thankful? Is it the title that's on your door? Is it the stuff that's under your tree? Is it how big your house is? And be honest with yourself. 
really be honest with yourself because I know lots of people who say, I'm just thankful that I'm alive and that I have a wicked huge bank account and that my retirement account is wicked huger and that I have a really fast car and a really beautiful spouse or friend or significant other or whatever they are. We have a list of all the things that somehow make us better than the next one. That's the zero-sum game. And i got to tell you, as followers of Jesus, it's not a zero-sum game. And we got to stop playing that game. Because it's a losing game. Somebody has to lose. I have to be inside, but to be inside, i got to keep other people out. And the love of God is too big for that. If you think by any stretch of your imagination you can hold back the love of God by building some kind of strange dam or line, I got bad news for you. <laughs> it's not going to work. And maybe you don't know God because God's love is infinite. So how are you going to live into a thankful life? I listed some practices on the inside of your printed update. I'm going to borrow a copy of the printed update. I lifted it, listed it there. Living an attitude of thanksgiving. Offer words of appreciation. Say thanks every once in a while. Do you know what used to freak out our waiters and waitresses when we go out to have dinner with our children? Hannah and Josh would thank them when they put something on the table. Sure, you might tip them at the end of your meal, but it shocked them that our children said thanks because apparently nobody else's children said that. That shouldn't, you know, I'm sure all of your children say thanks, so that's not a big deal, but there are plenty of people in the world that apparently don't. It just starts with saying thanks. When somebody holds the door for you, you know, don't acknowledge it by assuming that they owed you <laughs> them holding the door. You can say thank you. When somebody does something nice for you, say thank you. That's all that it takes, and it begins to cultivate an attitude. You don't realize it, but if you're thankful for everything that comes your way, then the thankful attitude begins to creep in, sneak in up on you, and suddenly, wow, I'm just thankful I can sit down for five minutes between this thing I got to do and this thing I got to do. I'm just thankful that I have dishes to wash. I'm just thankful I have a lawnmower that works so I can cut my grass. I'm thankful that it's the winter and I don't have to cut the grass anymore. You know, I can be thankful for a lot of things. Thankful that the heat's on. Thankful that I've got multiple layers. You know, choose to see opportunity. Something doesn't go the way you expected it to go. It's an opportunity to approach life from a different perspective. you choose to see everything that comes your way, now you can't. There's some things, you know, you're already late for work, and you go outside, and your tire is flat. And you knew last week that you needed to replace the spare, <laughs> and you talked to yourself about doing it last week, but you never quite fit that in. So you've got a flat spare and a flat tire, and you're already late for a, for a make-it-or-break-it meeting at work. See, that's an opportunity to do something different. I had never ridden in a lift recently. I went to work on, uh, I, went to, uh, I went to volunteer on a Friday morning. Linda said, I drove to work today, but the brakes went out on the F-150 while I was here. So I just drove through a red light because 
the truck wouldn't stop. And after my heart came back to beating, you know, they attached the AED to me and shocked me a couple of times, and I was like breathing again. She was like, so I've got a meeting that's important at the county or else we won't get funding next year, so I'm going to take the Jeep. Well, I have a meeting. Normally on Fridays, I don't have a meeting at 12.30. And so then we had just a moment of, uh, of tension where whose meeting is more important than the other person's meeting. And I just said, I'm just going to let it go. The meeting I have is really not going to end the be all the world. Take the Jeep. That's fine. And she took it, you know, and that was good. And I... I took a lift, and it was a joy. I had a wonderful conversation with a gentleman. He's originally from Atlanta. We talked about uh, the Braves. I don't know anything about them except they play baseball. <laughs> you know, I wanted to talk about the Nats. He didn't want to talk about the Nats, so we stayed with Atlanta. So, you know, there are opportunities that life comes your way. Remind yourself that there's more than enough. Do you have food? Do you have clothes? Are you like me? You walk into your house and you think, I've got way too much stuff. Here's what the worst thing about staying in a place for 26 years is. All of my friends who've moved, some of whom have moved six times in the last, since we were ordained together, every time they move, they have to clean out their stuff. They have to pare down. They have to travel light. I haven't had to travel light in 26 years. I travel wicked heavy. You know, uh, like wicked heavy. Not just a little heavy. Wicked heavy. So I need to be thankful and know that I have, like, now I have way more than enough. If any of you need some books, like theological books, I've got shelves of them. Just come by and take a shelf. You know, uh, just take it with you. I, don't even, I won't even notice they're gone. Don't take any of my Richard Rohr books. But you can have the rest. Carefully select the company you keep. Because mindsets are contagious. If you're with a bunch of half-empty gla half glass people, you start to feel like your glass is half-empty too. Just because that attitude becomes contagious. And you might think that you're going in to convert them to your half-full attitude. But... If there's enough of them and there's only one of you, at the end you'll just come home and say, man, I don't have anything. And you have everything. Spend some time in reflection. I, this is one of the things I want to encourage you to do. Every day I try to, when I sit with my journal, list at least one thing that I'm thankful for. And try not to make it the same thing every day. I'm thankful that I'm sitting in my chair. You know, I'm thankful I'm sitting in my chair. Thankful I'm sitting in my chair. You know, I, I try to find something new. Write down the things you're thankful for because then you notice the things that you're thankful for. And it encourages you to be thankful. And then the last one of these, and these are suggestions John Maxwell wrote. Uh, they're not mine. I wish they were. Give more of what you want, which is to say, if you want people to say thankful, thank you to you, Say thank you to them. Appreciate what they do. And maybe eventually they'll appreciate what you do. But even if they don't, you've done your part. If you give what you hope to get, give that away. You know, one of my favorite medieval mystics, Meister Eckert, 
said, if you only say one prayer in your life and that prayer is thank you, it's enough. If you only say one prayer in your life and that prayer is thank you, it's enough. Thank you, God, for these faces that I see this week. Thank you, God, for the warmth of this room. Thank you, God, for this multicolored, cool gray carpet I'm standing on. Thank you that I'm able to stand right here in front of you. Thankful, thank you that you haven't, you know, walked away. Thank you for the safety in bringing Norman Sandy into town to visit uh, Crystal. You know, they're like members of my extended family. Crystal and Eric came to St. James as an unmarried couple. I married them. I met Norman and Sandy. They've become like parts of my family. Because, because, I'm thankful. Not always thankful, but I'm working on it. Do you have enough? Are you thankful? Because if you cultivate that, then life is a joyous place to live. You don't have to always win, unless everybody wins. And with God's love, that's possible possible so go and love everybody go and be thankful go and write in your journal go be thankful people